This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank uh, you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Burgett. Thanks for joining us for the podcast oh, once again today. Joining us on the phone on these Tuesdays each week is the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Alan Horton, who right now is calling the team with the best record in the Western Conference at 10-3. and three. Best start going all the way back to the Kevin Garnett era. Alan, boy, the team is really playing well. Outside of one little hiccup against Phoenix, they continue to play great defense, uh, efficient offense, especially from Towns, really entertaining basketball. Yeah, winning 9 of 10. I mean, really, this run started after the uh, the disappointing loss to the Atlanta Hawks. I don't know if fans remember that from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's probably about three or four weeks ago at this point. But that was the game where the Timberwolves blew a huge lead and watched the Hawks come back and win in the second half. But ever since then, the Wolves have, have absolutely responded. That, I mean, I think that was a early season wake-up call, we can now say. And they've really, you know, they. I think this is one of the strengths of Chris Finch is how he – um, is been able to get the team to respond after disappointing losses. Hmm. Um, I think back to the playoffs a couple of years ago against Memphis when they had that awful home loss in Game Three, um, and they had a couple of days to think about it, and 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 they came back and won that Game Four. When I I really feel like ninety percent of teams would have just they would have been done, they hmm. would have been over, uh, but they responded and fought back. And I, I think there are other examples of this in the regular season, not quite as important as the playoffs, but. Um, where they face some adversity. And Chris Finch, is, I think his approach really helps the Wolves get through those type of situations. And it's, you know, I think when you have a, tr- a, a, a sort of, a, it's, it's like a trauma, right? You, mm-hmm. you, you blow a 20-point lead and you lose. I think the, the Hawks, they were up by 20 and they lost by 19 or something. It was a, a tremendous swing. Yep. That, can have a, that can have a deep effect on a team. And you have to address it. You have to watch the film. You have to own it. You have to speak your truth, all of those things before you can go on to the kind of the next stage, right? You have to you have to go through the sadness, the anger, all the different emotions that you have to be able to move past a trauma like that. And while you know, I use that term loosely, trauma is clearly nothing, you know, you know, real life. It's it's a game. Yeah. But you do have to go through the similar stages that all of us do when we go through traumatic situations um, to be able to come through on the other side and learn from it, and move on from it. You can't just say, ah. Oh, you know what? Forget that. We don't even need to watch the film. Forget it. It was just a bad night. No, those kind of things need to be addressed. You've got to look at it. You've got to own it. You've got to sit in a room and, and look at each other and say, you know what? I've got to be better. Okay, I need to be better, too. <clears throat> Excuse me. You've got, to have, you've got to have those tough conversations. And I think Chris Finch has done a wonderful job in his three and a half years where he's been able to um, address those things, and the team has been better um, going through those situations. That, that's the key, right? You, it's okay to have a loss, even a bad loss. Can you learn from it and move on? Well, the Wolves have certainly done that, winning 9 of 10 since that, since that Atlanta setback. Yeah, and after the Phoenix loss, again, uh, one where they didn't play especially well and so forth. It was the second of back-to-back, and Anthony Edwards struggled a little bit. But then to rebound with a tough game against New Orleans, even though they sat Zion Williamson again, they were behind much of the way. And then and then to execute down the stretch and have Towns score with five seconds left, that was really a good win. Yeah, I think, I think the Phoenix loss is a little bit different than the Atlanta one in the mm-hmm. sense that you can really, you know, the Wolves fortunately haven't had a lot of these this season, but the schedule was really didn't do them any favors. Yeah. That was third game in four nights. Um, they didn't, 
We lost an hour going from San Francisco to Phoenix, which, you know, if we'd done that trip two weeks earlier, it wouldn't have, we wouldn't have lost an hour because uh, Arizona does some funky things with their, <laughs> right. with their uh, daylight savings time, That's which right. nobody can ever really figure out. <laughs> and, you know, who knows what time zone they're in? Sometimes it's mountain, sometimes it's Pacific. <laughs> right. The only state, I guess they're the only state in Hawaii, but Hawaii, I give Hawaii a pass. They can do whatever they want. They're yeah. out there. Uh, you know, enjoying some palm trees and, and, and some sun. Uh, but Arizona, man, they got to get with the rest of the program. Pick, pick, a, pick a zone. Pick a zone. Be mountain or be Pacific. But right. Let's, let's, uh, I've had it with that. But uh, we didn't get into our hotel rooms until 4 a.m. in the morning. Oh, I mean, my that gosh. Was, that was that late. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. It's amazing how after games, you know, the game ends at, you know, 945, 930, somewhere in there. You're like, okay. You know, it shouldn't be that unreasonable to get to Phoenix by, I don't know, one or two. But then you add in the time change, then you add in some traffic going down to the airport. You get the normal delays getting on a plane and blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, it's 4 a.m. when your head hits the pillow. You're like, what happened to the last six hours? Like, how did it take us so long? But um, that was, I think that was more of a schedule loss. Now, you mentioned the next game against New Orleans. I think there was a little bit of a hangover there. That's what Chris Finch was worried about. You can have games like Phoenix. Um, but you, you you have to get back on the practice floor to kind of clean things, clean some things up, because you have some slippage, and all of a sudden you don't go back to doing the things you did. You've got to address those. And the Wolves didn't play great in New Orleans for the first three quarters. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. And the defense kind of was giving up a lot of the same stuff that it was in Phoenix. Um, I think the Wolves, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker told me that they felt like in the third quarter they started to play better defensively. They just weren't getting the stops, but they were doing the right things forcing the right shots. They just weren't getting rewarded. But then they were. They stuck with it. And in the fourth quarter, they made their run. And to come back from 14 down with seven and a half minutes to play, that's, that's nothing to shake your uh, stick at. I mean, that's, that's a pretty hefty comeback. Um, there's a website called impredictable.com where you can plug in time and score, and it'll tell you uh, in an NBA game what your percentage chance of winning and so it's kind of like the win probability, right, that ESPN has on theirs. Yep. Um, and the Wolves were down to a 1.7% chance of winning that game. Wow. New Orleans had the ball. Uh, they had possession, which was key, and they up, were up by 14 with 740 left, and they, and they, they could not win that one. So that, that's a big-time win. And that really capped a, a tremendous road trip in which I don't think the Wolves played their best basketball, yet they still went 4-1. and one. And then last night, what was really encouraging was that this team continues to defend the heck out of the ball. It's just, I mean... Every opponent coming in is being held under 40% shooting, under 30% from deep. Um, six times the Wolves have done that this year. Nobody else in the league has done it more than twice. Twelve teams haven't even done it this year. That's wow. how rare this is in such an offensive-oriented league. Um, every year, offensive ratings continue to go up and up and up. Shooting percentages up and up and up. Embracing the three, it's up and up and up. And yet the Wolves are going old school and defending like crazy and holding teams to an incredibly low shooting percentage that, that this league doesn't normally see and hasn't seen so far this year. The Wolves have done it six times, and again, nobody else more than twice. So the defense has been has really been locked in. I'll give you a sense of to speak to that point. Last night, third quarter, Rudy had one rebound in the first half. He comes out in the second half, has six rebounds. The Wolves are making their move on the Knicks. And Rudy comes up with a block shot and then a defensive rebound in traffic that was just a monster rebound, just – I'm as a as a big man. It's what you kind of live for, I guess. Yeah. Just securing one of those big rebounds. You're in amongst two or three other opponents, and he yanks it down, and the crowd he gives him a standing ovation. Like it was a weird moment to celebrate just a rebound, but it gives you an idea of how locked in the team is, how locked in the crowd is, 
and what a big rebound it was. I mean, that's that's where the Wolves are now. It's really fun. It's exciting. It's um, it's all the things, all the emotions you have when you look up and see that your team is ten and three, top spot in the West, undefeated at home, and playing incredible basketball. A lot of people like to say their fan base is an educated fan base when they're at games and they cheer for the right things. Well, it's not like Gobert just put up 40 and 20 rebounds and they're chanting his name. It was a nice game, 17 and 7, some block shots, played good defense, but he hustled, he played hard throughout, and the fans were chanting his name. That was uh, that has yeah. to that has to go a long ways. The fans in Minnesota do know their basketball. Uh, there's no doubt. And, um, you know, I wasn't here for 03-04 and that run to the Western Conference Finals, but people will tell you that this is a this is a, as much as it's the state of hockey that it's a basketball it's a basketball town. Obviously, mm-hmm. the NFL is in a different you know a different league, different category, but um, that at the heart of things, it's a basketball town. Going back to the Minneapolis Laker days, there just hasn't been a lot to celebrate over the last twenty years, mm-hmm. um, and I think they, the fan base does know their basketball. Um, and I think they're starting to show it at home. They're enjoying these wins. Um, the Wolves actually made it very uninteresting in the fourth quarter, which was just fine. <laughs> right. uh, I was kind of expecting this thing to go down to the wire. It's another, and these are big teams coming in, like New York, Boston a couple weeks ago, Philly tomorrow night. These are East Coast powerhouse traditional, you know, marquee teams in this league. And, and the Wolves should want to be one of those teams. And they're playing like they want to be. They, they're playing like when Boston came in and Jason Tatum's going up against Anthony Edwards, Ant matched Jason Tatum and maybe outplayed him in that game. And Ant played Tatum as if he was looking at him and said, I want what you have. I want to be on a winning team. I want to be on a winning franchise. I want the success and the adulation and all the stuff that comes with winning. I want that for me and my team. And, and the Wolves, he, Ant led the charge in that. And it was really it was evident to see because those are teams that come in here and they, and they bully they, you know, you know, like Kyle Anderson was saying after shoot around yesterday, like they're, this is the kind of team that'll come in and steal your lunch money if you're not, if you're not uh, in the right frame of mind to play. I mean, they're, you know, they get bullied by Boston, they get bullied by New York. Joel Embiid, I mean, they've Sixers have come in here and won five straight games. I mean, it, the Wolves haven't beaten them since 2016 on the home floor. It's time. Yeah. And I think every night the Wolves are just answering the bell. They're not. They're just not. You know, they're pleased with their start, but they're not satisfied by it. It's by no means that they think they've accomplished anything, and that's refreshing because, you know, in Wolf teams in the past, you I don't nobody's gotten off to the ten and three start, but even at a modicum of a success, the team has kind of you know kept uh, kind of sat back and said, yeah, we're we're pretty good. We're, we're, maybe we don't have to prepare as hard as we as we did before. You know, the, mm-hmm. this this Wolf team handled hasn't handled success well in the past. Uh, but this is a different team. This is a veteran team. You know, Ant, amongst the rotation players, Ant and uh, Jaden are the two youngest, and they're in their fourth year. They've been starting for a couple of years. Ant's mm-hmm. been starting for four years, basically. Um, everybody else, Mike Conley, Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert, these guys have all gone deep in the postseason before. They, they know what it takes, yeah. and they're not going to let this team have any kind of slippage in terms of enjoying the success they've had because they've only played 13 games. Guess what? You know, you can start to celebrate it after you play 69 more and you've got a similar type record. Uh, how's that, uh, McDaniels, how was the ankle injury? Yeah, it doesn't sound uh, particularly good. I guess mm. it swelled up uh, last night after the game, uh, swelled up during the game. They quickly announced that he wasn't going to be back after that first quarter. He heard it five minutes in. And it sounds like it's more of a kind of a week-to-week thing rather mm. than day-to-day. So that's not uh, that's not entirely encouraging, especially when uh, Jaden missed um, – you know, had a slight calf injury in the preseason, missed most of that, missed the first two regular season games of the year. 
and I kind of feel like he was just getting, you know, finding his footing. He had a really good game in New Orleans. Um, he got the big defensive stop against Brandon Ingram on the uh, potential game-winning shot at the buzzer, mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of the first game he was out of foul trouble. He's been fouling an awful lot, which kind of happens when you, um, a certain degree of that is expected when you're guarding the other team's best player. But Jaden had really, you know, picked up five, six, five, four, you know, always in foul trouble, limiting his minutes. And I thought New Orleans' game was, you know, he was able to kind of stay on the floor. And then you could kind of see where he can contribute offensively, where he's a really good finisher around the rim. He can get his shot off. He can knock down some threes. Um, you know, he hadn't been able to do that on a consistent basis because of the foul difficulty. So it's uh, it's really tough timing. Uh, but Nikhil Alexander-Walker stepped in last night. Um, McDaniels had the assignment against Jalen Brunson, and Nikhil stepped right in and took over that assignment. And we saw Nikhil do this in the postseason last year against Jamal Murray. He was excellent against Murray. Um, you know, as much as one defender can be, Murray still had a big series. But it normally came when they switched uh, the pesky uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker off of him when he had success. So uh, Nikhil's probably going to jump into the starting lineup, and he'll now take over some of those top assignments. But there's no doubt that Jaden will be missed if he's out for um, a series of games here. Yeah. <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns' efficiency of late is completely off the charts. What is it, 26 out of his last 38 shots covering the last three games? And and really, it goes back further than that. He started out in a little shooting slump. We knew that wouldn't last. He's too good an offensive player. But, man, the efficiency just unbelievable over the last few weeks. Guy's been through a lot the last two years. You know, the calf injury, adjusting to Rudy coming on board, playing, being shifted from center to power forward. Um, nobody was asked to do to change more than Carl Anthony Towns last season, yep. um, and it's really taken a full year um, now that he's healthy and adjusting to playing with Rudy. Um, and those two seem to have in their their kind of third iteration together: the beginning of last year, the end of last year, and then the start of this year. They've been better and better together. And Cat's really adjusted his game. Plus, he's had to deal with the fact that you know, for a guy who you know the team was kind of built around him for so many years. And now Ant's on the rise, and maybe this is Ant's team over Cat's team. I, you know, those guys have handled it beautifully. I don't think it matters. Um, and Cat's kind of found his way here. And he just, as, as I think Chris Finch has always said, you know, for Cat, he's just got so much talent that if he just steps onto the floor and focuses on just go play basketball, do what you do. And he's starting to do that. And we're starting to see that and be reminded that this guy's a pretty unique offensive weapon, and, and you're glad he's on your team because there's not a lot of guys in the NBA at his size uh, that can do what he does. And it's it's driving the basketball, it's shooting the threes. Uh, I think he's having his best defensive season of his career, and I really don't think it's close. Mm-hmm. He had a couple of possessions last night defensively. He was just really solid, forcing a miss, securing a rebound, triggering an outlet pass, and, and moving up into the front court. Those are things that, you know, you would think he wouldn't get that stop a year ago or two years ago. Um, he's put the time and energy into the defensive end, um, and I think he's been, you know, his, his defensive rating is one of the best on the team. That's a, wow. that's how good he's been this year. So yeah. it's um, it's starting to click for him after a slow start, and I think if he just continues to do what he's doing, um, and then I don't think it matters really whose team it is or right. any of those kind of other questions. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia Wednesday, and then at home against the Kings on Friday. That's an in-season tournament game. If they beat the Kings on Friday, does that guarantee their spot in the knockout round? It does. Ah. It does, because they would have the tiebreaker over the Kings, and they've got already got the tiebreaker over Golden State, who's behind Sacramento in those group standings. Yeah. Fortunately, OKC has already lost twice, so 
Um, yeah, it's a weird, you know, we're so trained to, you play 82 games just to, to determine your postseason. Now we're going to come up with this in-season tournament that uh, we're going to give you four games to prove everything, and then you move into the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Oh, these four random games on a, a Tuesday and Friday night, it's a little bit different to get used to, but I think it's been fun. The players have embraced it. Good. Um, the, the fact that the league has also made them regular season games, I think, is a huge, huge factor. You know, you just if you want to win regular season games, then you should want to win tournament games because they're the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and guess what? If you get all the way to the finals and you win this in-season tournament cup, yeah, the players get a half million bucks each. That's not. That's no. You know, maybe for the top guys, that's not a big chunk of change. But I tell you what, for everybody else on the roster, it certainly is. Yeah. Um, and and Chris Finch, going back to his overseas days when he started in the British Basketball League, coached in Belgium, coached in Germany. They had these cups uh, throughout the season. He is his, his teams always embraced them, and his teams had a lot of success in it. I don't think that guarantees that the Wolves are going to win this one, but they're in really good shape. They host Sacramento and host Oklahoma City to round this thing out. Um, and if you finish it strong, not only do you make it to the quarterfinals, but you're going to be hosting that quarterfinal game. And if you win that, then you're going to Vegas in a Final Four. So, um, hey, they're going to play these things. You might as well win it. Might as well. And, uh, you know, for Timberwolves fans, kind of long-suffering, having not won a lot in the postseason, hopefully that changed this year. But when it's a one-game shot, if they could run through this and win the doggone thing, that would have to give them a lot of confidence heading on the rest of the season. Yeah, and i tell you the other thing, too, Todd. It's like, you know, I I follow a lot of international soccer, and they have Mm -hmm. FA Cups, and they've got Champions League. They've got all these sort of, um, not only their domestic leagues, but they play have other competitions like this in-season tournament. And that's what Adam Silver's trying to create here. He's trying to create something else that, uh, A, you can sell to a, to a TV network and to a TV partner and creates a whole bunch of new revenue. Um, and maybe this thing morphs into something bigger five, ten years down the lo- road where mm-hmm. it's not just NBA teams. What if you got to a Final Four and all of a sudden you took, uh, well, make it a Final Eight and bring in four teams from Europe? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Real Madrid who's playing really well. They, you have a bracket over there in Europe for some of the best teams to come over and play the NBA teams. How cool would that be? Mm-hmm. Um, you'd have to figure out some some rules. They have a little different uh, court and lane line and all that kind of stuff, but we can figure that out. Um, and if they're going to make this, if this thing is going to be permanent. It's going to go on in future generations. You might as well win this thing. It'd be great to, it might be something bigger. It's going to be something bigger in five years. It's going to be even bigger in 10. And guess what? It'll probably mean something somewhere along the line where you're like, hey, pretty cool that Minnesota was able to win that inaugural title or yeah. they got that cup under their belt. You know, it's 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 something. Yeah, I'm down with it. That's for sure. I'm really enjoying the uh, tournament games. The courts that they use, eh, you know, it's okay. I don't know. It's a little over the top for me. but I don't know what I, – I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I'm not a big fan of the courts. I think they, they had to do something to stand out. They wanted to make those courts look different when you flip across your TV and you say, oh, that's something different. Yeah. Um, you wanted to make it stand out. I don't know. I don't know what you could have done. I mean – that that would have been less jarring or different color. I don't know. I, I don't know what you do to try to make your court stand out. So I yeah. get what they were trying to do. Uh, fortunately, the two games we've played so far, the courts I think have been pretty benign. Um, the Sa- San Antonio one was just kind of uh, teal and light tan. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I can't even remember what Golden State's was. It wasn't that jarring. Some of the courts have been yeah. really bright <laughs> yes. orange or red or blue. Excuse me. Um, that have been really tough to see on TV, and it looks kind of video game esque. It doesn't look NBA action type thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe they could have all gone with one 
similar style court and made it dark or black or I, you know, I don't know what, but um, it's tough to make your court stand out. I mean, that's and that's what that's what their goal was. Yeah. So that yeah. you instantly know uh, they couldn't do it with the jerseys really, but they did it with these courts and they spent obviously a lot of money because every team has these has these in season tournament courts. Yeah. Uh, Alan, thanks so much. I appreciate it. We'll be tuned in. All right, Todd. Appreciate it. Bye. Timberwolves and Sixers on Wednesday and then home against the Kings on Friday. That's the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.